I'm going to share on the theme area. This year, our theme is on building. We're talking about building and we're approaching. Thank you for that amen. I had a good, powerful amen. That's, that's my hired crowd that side. That said that big amen. And uh, this month, we, we were talking about our God, a builder. And just to remind you, we learned the last two weeks that God is a builder. We actually learned that building is God's way of doing things. When God does anything, he builds. Building is God's modus operandi. And at the same time, God has designed that everything that matters in life must be built. Anything in life. Whether it's a career, it's a marriage, it's a family, it's a business, it must be built. And we said that we will never have any success in life when we approach life from a microwave mentality. Unfortunately, our world is very fast-paced, and of course, technology makes everything to be so fast and so quick. The reality of building life, however, is that it may take longer than that. So we need to have this mentality of approaching life from a building perspective. And so last week we started talking about how to build a remarkable life. God wants you to build a remarkable life. Can I hear an amen? amen. The word remarkable simply means exceptional. Tell somebody that my life is exceptional. The word uh, remarkable means outstanding. Tell somebody I'm outstanding. I'm uncommon. Those are all the definitions. Tell them, I am worthy of notice. Look at them. Tell them, I am unusual. Thank you. Thank you. Tell them, I'm extraordinary. Tell them, actually, you are lucky to be sitting next to me. Right? I don't know how it happened. I don't know how it happened. There are people in our world, Bazalana, who do remarkable things. Who are remarkable people. I have a feeling that I'm looking at them this morning. <laughs> when you read the Bible, we read about remarkable people in the Bible. These people, the things they did, they had, they had impact. They got your attention. We read about women like Deborah, Esther. We read about a guy by the name of Job, Nehemiah, uh, Paul. All of these people, they stood out. And you'll know that the reason they stood out is because their secret was they were willing to do what is uncommon. And if you're going to be a remarkable person, you have to do what others are not doing. You can't just get by with the normal and the usual and expect to be remarkable. You know that I'm an avid follower of tennis because my children, our children play tennis at some point. And I was watching how the, in, the, in tennis now it looks like the guard is being changed. It looks like the younger players are coming into being. Yesterday, a young girl by the name of Naomi Osaka won, you know. I mean, we were used to Venus Williams or Serena, but it looks like something is changing. But if you look at the way she played, I watched the match yesterday. If you look at the way she played, if you listen to the interview, if you, if you listen to how she prepared herself for the matches, she did what she, she went more than the normal, more than the regular. Can I hear an amen? amen? In Matthew 7, Jesus talks about the narrow road and the wide road. And, 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 and throughout my years of going to church, I was told that Jesus is exclusively talking about the way that leads to heaven and the way that leads to hell. And I'm sure most of you, that's what you heard. They say the narrow road leads to heaven and the wide road leads to hell. And, and I agree with that. 
I, 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 don't, I don't disagree with that. I agree with that. Tell your neighbor he agrees with that. He agrees with that. But when you read the scripture closer, you know that that principle is a principle that has to do with all of life. All of life. All of life circulates around this principle. And even what Jesus said here, he's really not exclusively talking about heaven and hell. It may be included, but it goes more than that. Look at Matthew 7. Let's read it together. Verse 13 to verse 14 in the New King James Version. It says, it says what? Enter by? Oh, let me hear you this morning. Enter by? Why? For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And what? Oh, let's hear you. There are what? So, so the principle here is that the, 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 the way that leads to destruction, or we can rephrase, the way that leads to unprofitable results is a wide way. And we know it's generally, it's a principle of life, you know. I mean, for these young people to achieve what they've achieved, they had to decide to do what others are not doing. They had to study longer. They had to burn the midnight oil. They had to do extra classes, whatever they did. But, you know, the wide way is the easier way. Let me have my verse back, please. The wide way is the way that everybody is going. Let's tell the truth. It's easier in life to do wrong than it is to do right. I mean, let's tell the truth, brother. It's harder to eat vegetables and drink water than to eat something else and drink fizzy drinks. It's much easier to not be shaped and, you know, well-toned in your body. It's hard to go to the gym. You know, right? It's, it's end of January now. I would advise you, go back to the gym and see the, the gym that was full to capacity with the New Year resolutions. Now, oh, the way you are laughing, it sounds like you're one of those people. It's more difficult, Barcelona, to, 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 be a, to, to, not, to not achieve than it is to achieve because anytime you want to achieve, whether it's in your spiritual life, you know, it's, it's, it's easier to do wrong than it is to do right. Oh, you don't want to say amen. I'll be the first one to say that it's easier to do wrong than it is to do right. So it's a principle. All right? So he says, wide is the gate that leads to destruction. Listen to what Jesus says. He says there are many who go in by it. Which means if you're going to choose the alternative road, you may be the only one. It's a lonely road. Okay? It means you may never be encouraged by others. It's much more easier to go in the road of destruction. Next verse, verse 14, he says, he says, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. Not only is it narrow, it's difficult. And there are few who find it. Note, the other one, he says, many go in by it. So the other one, you just go in. It's there. For everybody to jenna. Mara, this one, you've got to look for it. You've got to find it. You've got to differentiate yourself. You've got to do what others are not doing. The other one is just here. This other one, you must look for it. And you must find it. Let me say what I said earlier. I have a suspicion. I'm looking at some remarkable people here today. Can I hear an Amen. Tell your neighbor who didn't say amen, say how. Hunter, are you not remarkable? I thought you were a remarkable person. I thought you were a remarkable person. All right now. So last week we ended by looking at the life of Daniel. Daniel became our example of somebody who lived a remarkable life. We talked about him. Daniel 6.3 says, 
In the NIV it says, Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps or the executives by his exceptional qualities. He was distinguished by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. May that be true over your life. I said, may that be true over your life. One translation says, Daniel distinguished himself by the remarkable qualities he had. You've got to distinguish yourself. The question is, you know, what are these remarkable qualities? Well, last week we talked about the one quality called respect. But I want to go back and now talk about more qualities. But let me, let me first of all give you the background. Remember Daniel, when we read about him, we read about him in a foreign land, right? Nebuchadnezzar at that time was conquering almost the whole world. And at this time had conquered Jerusalem. And he took the holy vessels from the temple, but he also commanded that several of the Israeli youth should be taken. And so these young people were carried to Babylon. And among them was this young man by the name of Daniel. They took them to Babylon, educated him in the science and the wisdom of Babylon, educated them in the language of the Chaldeans, and the one reason was to prepare them to serve in the king's court. And so they, they entered there and, and completed their education. And when you read, you note that Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, were very close. And they were just different among the other young people. In fact, the Bible tells us they were so knowledgeable in the history of the place. They, they knew everything, but Daniel as well. He also reached out and went back to read the law of God. He went back to read God's word. And as he read God's word, he started discovering certain things about his life. So Daniel, when he discovered certain things from the word of God or from the law that they had, which were so contrary to where he was, he made up his mind, he's going to follow what God says. He made up his mind, I'm not going to do what everybody else is doing. I'm going to only follow what God says. You know, I must be honest with you people. Following God is not an easy thing at all. It's a very difficult thing. Now, we're not talking about being an isolated, separated person. All right? We're not talking about, you know, being a holier-than-thou person. No, 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 no. We live in this world. We associate with everybody. We love everybody. We love our family. We love everybody. But at the end of the day, Bazalana, following God is not an easy thing at all. And Daniel, he made up his mind he's going to follow God. Let me show you the things that he did. Number one, we know that Daniel, he has a remarkable quality. He lived by conviction and not by preference. Write that down. I'll explain it to you. He lived by conviction and not by preference. Let me tell you why. We'll read it in Daniel chapter 1 from verse 3. It says, The king ordered Aspenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, at least you can be handsome and love God at the same time. How many of you are sitting next to somebody who is handsome who loves God? Or who's pretty who loves God? Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. So you can be handsome and be, 
and be and be and be and have a high IQ and be intelligent and still serve God. I need to say that because Runa in our time when we grow grew up, it looked like being handsome and being intelligent didn't go in hand in hand with being spiritual. I think people in my age group will agree. It looked like okay, alright, look at Askis. Askis, so not only they, they were showing aptitude in every kind of learning, note, well-informed. Can you see that? Quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. So he was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylon, ba- Babylonians. The king assigned them, watch this now, a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some of, from Judah, Daniel, Hanani, Michael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them different names. He called Daniel Belteshazzar. He called Hanani Shadrach. He called Michael Meshach and Azariah Abednego. But Daniel, note verse 8, resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He's been offered food. By the king, he says, I'm not going to eat it. Now, just in case you think Daniel was just being picky, okay, let's explain the background to you, okay? When Nebuchadnezzar made this provision, this abundant provision that was given, yeah, which was, you know, for a life of luxury, I mean, yes, Daniel and his friends, they are not deprived for anything at all. But this food that they were eating did not con- conform to the requirements of the Mosaic law. The law of Moses. Daniel wanted to follow the Mosaic law. This food didn't conform to that law. The fact is, it had been prepared in a way where they had put other things that the Mosaic law was preventing Daniel and his friends to eat. So there were many things that were forbidden, by the way, by the law, which were served at the king's table. And so to partake of that food would be to defile themselves as the young people who followed God. Further than that, the food that was given, served at the king's table, had been sacrificed and offered to other gods before it was offered. So to partake of such food was contrary to Exodus 34 verse 1 and verse 5, where they were forbidden as Jewish people to eat of flesh that had been sacrificed to other gods. So he was not being picky. And it wasn't about diet. Okay? It was about his commitment to God. Not only that, the wine that the Jews used to drink, they used to dilute it with water. This one that was served in Babylon, they served it straight like that. Libitang, Libitang, why is it diluted? Libitang. Yeah? Straight. Yeah. You are God. So Daniel knew, if I do this, I will be violating. So his desire was to please God. That's all he wanted. So he resolved that even though he was not in his own land, but in another place, he would still obey what God had told him. So he asked the chief of the court official to excuse him. So watch this. Living by conviction, therefore, means you don't change your values and your belief system when you come in a different setup. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. If you say, I'm going to follow God, 
Or if you have some belief or some conviction of some sort, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that. When you live by conviction is, you are willing to say, if pressure is put on me, I'm not going to cave into that pressure. And that's what distinguished Daniel. Daniel became distinguished because of that. We see in another instance, in Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold. And he gave an instruction that when the sound of the trumpets sounds, that everybody must bow to that image and pray to that image. So verse 7 of Daniel chapter 3 says, So at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, and the symphony, all kinds of music, and all the people, all nations, all languages fell down and worshipped the golden image. But Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decided we are not going to change our belief system. The law of God says we mustn't bow to other gods. When that happened, there were those who went out to go and tell the king. Verse 12. Some of them when they said, there are certain Jews whom we have set over the affairs of the province king, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these men, O king, have not paid due to you. They don't serve your gods, and they don't worship the golden image. So Nebuchadnezzar was very angry. And what does he do? He takes these three boys, and he throws them into the fire. What is he doing? He's trying to put pressure on them to compromise. But these three young people, they said, we're not going to compromise. Even if you throw us into the fire, we're not going to compromise. And you all know the story. When they, when they were thrown into the fire, the minute they landed in the fire, God sent a fourth man to be with them. See, God will always be there to support you if you will not live by compromise. See, compromise will negotiate values. Compromise will always go for the easy way out. But conviction will always go for the narrow road. You need to make up your mind if you're going to move on in life, there are certain things that you're not going to compromise. Number two, Daniel developed a rich prayer life. One day Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. And none of his wise men could interpret the dream. So he gave a command that all the wise men must be killed. And remember, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were also counted among the wise men. So the king in his fury sent out a decree that kill all of them. Daniel 2 verse 13. It says, so the decree went out and they began killing the wise men and they were looking for Daniel and his companions to kill them. Verse 14. Then with counsel and wisdom, Daniel spoke to Ariok, the captain of the king's guard, who had gone out to kill the wise men of Babylon. He answered and said to Ariok, the king's captain, why is this decree so urgent? Verse 16, Daniel went in and asked the king to give him time that he might tell the king the interpretation. Think about it. Think about it. He goes to the king and says, all right, king, please don't kill us, all right? Just give me time. If you really want to know if you know how to connect with God is when you ask them to give you time in times like this and there's a crisis. Yeah, and you're going to pray and get an answer. See, it's easy Mara, times like this will really tell us. Yeah. Daniel said, give me time. Verse 16. So Daniel went him, asked him to give him time. So Daniel went to his house and made the decision known to his three friends. 
that they might seek the message of God of heaven concerning this secret. So Daniel and his companions, that they might not perish with the rest of the wise men. Verse 19, I love it. Then the secret was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. So Daniel blessed the God of heaven. May you develop a rich prayer life. I tell you. You know, sometimes when you talk about prayer, you can see that people are, we, we just pray sometimes in jail to be religious. You know, we, we, we are not expecting anything to happen. But you remember James chapter 5? Remember James chapter 5? The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The Amplified Bible says the, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man makes great power available, dynamic in its working. But you see, Daniel is one of those that you could go to and say, can we pray about this? And you know, when he prayed about it, something is going to happen. May you be that remarkable person to pray over not only your life, to pray over your family, to pray over the community, and we know God will answer. Number three, the third thing we see in Daniel's life is Daniel demonstrated total reliance on God. Demonstrated total reliance on God. In Daniel chapter 6, it says he distinguished himself among the administrators. And verse 4, it says they couldn't find any wrong in him because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, this man says, we will never find any basis to charge Daniel. So, you know, they're looking at him. They see the guy, Opila Hunter. They decide, na, 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 na. We're going to make sure he gets into trouble. You know, there are people like that, that even when things are going well in your life, they're not happy at all. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Are you living in the same world that we are living in? There are people somehow, for whatever reason, they don't want things to go well in your life. For whatever reason. You know? They don't want you to have a car. They don't want you to have a house. I remember when I started, you know, when I started, it was like that. I bought a car in a hotel. But there are some people that even if my car was hoteling, they were not happy with my car. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. So these people are not happy with what is happening in the life of Daniel. So what do they do? They decide to cause trouble. Look at verse 6. So the administrators and the satraps went as a group to the king and said, Oh king, Darius, live forever. The royal administrators, the prefect, satraps, advisors, governors, they've all have agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or man during the next 30 days, except to you, O king, must be thrown in the lion's den. problem. So they decide that no, issue a law, issue a decree that people should pray to you and not pray to other gods. Verse 8. Now the king issued a decree, put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with that. Verse 9, so the king put the decree. Verse 10, when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day. <laughs> he is not even praying Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying, asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. They said, didn't you publish a decree 
that for the next 30 days, no one else should pray to any other God but to you? The king said, yeah. Let's, let's keep down to verse 16. So the king gave an order that Daniel should be brought to him and thrown in the lion's den. Now, I want us to read this together. You know, this is amazing. Remember, this king has had an encounter with these four guys in the past and with Daniel. He knows that their God always comes through for them. He knows. They were, he, he threw them in the fire. He knows what God did. He had a dream. He knows what God did. He, he knows these guys. They are remarkable people. How many of you know that you can be a remarkable? He knows that. I like it. When I read it, it struck me. Note. Let's read together. Note that. So the king gave an order that Daniel should be thrown into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you serve continually rescue you. Yeah. Oh, the Lord. Hey. Hey, but, but that's evil that you are saving your God. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the lion's den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring. And with the ring of his nobles. So that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Now note verse 18. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating. And without any entertainment being brought to him. And he could not sleep. See, there's something about it that when you serve God and when you distinguish yourself, even if it's not going to work, I think this king, somehow his heart was beginning to open up to God. Now note verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up, hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God. Oh. <laughs> Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Let's read verse 21 to 23. Daniel answered, May the king live forever. He says, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lion. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Verse 23. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him. Because he had trusted on his God. Come on, somebody give the Lord a shout in the house. Oh, yeah. Remarkable person. Because he trusted his God. And number four, and finally, Daniel knew that God is a covenant-keeping God. And he demonstrated this by praying relentlessly. He prayed relentlessly. In Daniel chapter 10, we read a very interesting story where Daniel, as he read the books, he found out that even though they had been in captivity, their time of being in captivity, according to God, God was going to deliver them after a certain time. But that they had been in captivity longer than what God has said. Verse 2, it says, so at that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I didn't eat food, 
No meat, no wine. I used no lotions at all until three weeks were over. Verse 10. Then the angel continued and said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard and I have come in response of your word. I'm trying to fast forward the story, but you'll note as you read the story, the children of Israel were finally set free from captivity because of a man who decided he's going to pray in a relentless way. So he's distinguished himself. So I want to close by saying, you and I, we can be those kind of men and women who can distinguish ourselves, who can be remarkable people. Daniel lived by conviction. Daniel trusted God. He prayed relentlessly. Daniel decided he's not going to depend on anything else but depend on God. In this world that we live in, you know, the world tries to pressure us to negotiate our values, to negotiate what we believe. Sometimes even to negotiate your integrity. But you see, God will always be there to support you and I. When we decide, even if there's pressure put on me, I have decided I'm going to live a remarkable life. And I believe we can live remarkable lives to the glory and honor of our God. Let's bow our heads together as we pray. Our Lord, we want to thank you that we can live remarkable lives. We read about ordinary people like Daniel. These were not special people who didn't have what we have. But they decided to choose that narrow road. The road that is less traveled. And today as we come before you, our prayer and our wish is that we also may be remarkable people. And so we decide today to live by conviction, to live by your word, to be prayerful people who depend on you, but also that we will pray ceaselessly and endlessly, fully trusting you. As we bow our heads in your presence today, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to our hearts and help us, O oh God, to be all that you want us to be. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. And even those of you who are watching and streaming from the other campuses, please bow your heads, close your eyes. Those of you in the overflow hall, in the youth hall, in the foyer, let's bow our heads together. I believe that every one of us would really love our life to be a better life. To be a life that brings pleasure to God. That brings honor to God. But you see, it starts by us choosing that narrow road that we were talking about. That narrow road starts by deciding in your heart that I want Jesus Christ to come into my life. I want God to change me. Forgive me for my wrongs. I want to give my life to God. That he gives me a new start in my life. 
You know, sometimes we do things that are not pleasing to God. And it is sometimes that we just didn't even have the power to stop ourselves. But you see, when Jesus Christ comes into our lives and into our hearts, he changes us and makes us to be God's children. You are here today. You've come on your own. You've been invited. You've visited with us, whatever the case. It might not even be your first time. But as you've been listening to God's word and listening to the life of Daniel, you realize that to live a remarkable life, it's a choice that you make. And this morning you want to make a choice to invite Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life, that he may change you and make you a child of God. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. I want to pray with you this morning that God will give you a new start. If you need that prayer, would you please raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you. Just raise it up right where you are sitting. Thank you for those hands. Keep them raised. Keep them raised all over this place. That's right. Just raise it up. Here I come, God. Here I bring my life to you. I'm asking you, I'm asking you to come into my heart and make me your child. Change me. And give me a fresh start. Thank you for those of you who raised your hands. May I ask all those of you who raised your hands, would you please stand on your feet right where you are? Just go ahead and just stand on your feet. You can put your hands down, but just stand on your feet all over the place. Put your hands down. Stand on your feet. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All over the place. Thank you. Thank you. That's right. You should give them a better hand than that. It takes a lot of courage to do this. Yeah. I'll tell you what. I think if we just come to church and never give people a chance to respond to God, we have failed in our assignment. This call is not for you to join a church. This call is for you to come into personal relationship with Jesus Christ. The only one who's able to change lives. I couldn't change your life. This church can never change your life. The only one who can change your life is Jesus Christ and him alone. Hallelujah. So I want to thank you for responding. I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask you just to come from where you are standing. Even those in the foyer will wait for you. All right. Take all your belongings. Don't leave your belongings behind. And just make your way to the front so that we can pray. Those of you who are in the other venues, go to the front of that venue. Give them a big hand as they come. Come, let's pray together.